25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the line. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Monday, Monday, sing it with me, Roger. You don't want that. <laughs> Come on, man. Get what the hell are you doing, work. Banana Hands? What are you doing? What are you doing, Banana Hands? There's going to come a day I'm going to wish Ben had never even said that, isn't it? Isn't it? <clears throat> Make up sooner than later. Here we are on a Monday. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team. The hometown heroes at Farm Bureau. Roger, they're tweeting out pictures. All these people that work for the Southeastern Conference are tweeting out pictures of Hoover Metropolitan Stadium. There it is in all its glory. They got the playing surface ready. Signage all over the stadium. Herb Vincent who is one of the associate commissioners of the Southeastern Conference. I follow him on Twitter. He sends out a picture, and there it is, a big sign on one end of the grandstand. SEC, the road to Omaha starts here. Roger, you ever been to Omaha, Nebraska? No. No? (laughs) Have you? I have. How is it? What's Nebraska like? It's flat. Flat. Pretty much flat. It's kind of barren. It's kind of like being in a Western movie a little bit. But it's beautiful. I mean, it's in its own way, it's beautiful. It's wide open. You know, in different parts, different, obviously. But out there in Omaha. Now, downtown Omaha is really nice. I mean, you got a, you have a nice downtown. No Peyton Manning liked it. Omaha! <laughs> Omaha! <laughs> That's right. That was his favorite check at the line of scrimmage. You got a few high rises, you know, a nice little downtown metro area close to the ballpark. Everything was within walking distance. Yeah, that's it. it but you don't yeah. have to go far and, you know, you're hanging out with. That's, that's the town Buffett built, right? Oh, is it? Is where not, he's at Braceside? I'm, I'm sure he, you know, not his aware capital enterprise is there. Oh, yes, that Buffett, not Jimmy. <laughs> So you said Buffett, and I immediately pictured Jimmy Buffett. So you need to make a change in latitude and a change in attitude. Hey, you're talking about Warren. Warren yeah. Warren, and Jimmy, the Buffets. <laughs> two different things, two different conversations. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's what's going on. So this week, not today, but tomorrow, begins the SEC baseball tournament, uh, the Conference USA baseball tournament. 
is being hosted in uh, Biloxi at um, MGM Stadium. Southern Miss plays, I think, Rice. I think Southern Miss plays Rice on Wednesday in the first round of the Conference USA tournament. So the regular baseball season is in the books. Chalk it up. And so what I'm going to do in a minute is recap the weekend for you. You kind of know what happened. Ole Miss went to Tennessee and lost two out of three up there. They did salvage a game in the third game of the series. Uh, they're a seven seed, I believe, in the SEC tournament. We've got plenty of time to go over the bracket, all that kind of stuff. So, no, um, tomorrow on Tuesday, Ole Miss plays in one of those games, and uh, it'll be a win-or-go-home game. Day one of the SEC tournament in Hoover is single elimination. And then starting on Wednesday, everything from then on is double. So that's why, you know, you get a bye if you're in the top four. It's kind of backward because, like, the, the SEC teams that need to play the most games play on the single elimination day. <laughs> four of them go home. But that's the way it is. You earn the right to not have to play that first day. So Ole Miss will play tomorrow. We'll get into the schedule later. If they win, they'll, they'll move on and play again on Wednesday. State does not play until late Wednesday night. State is the fourth seed in the SEC tournament. Get the first round by. They'll play the late game. Roger, they have it scheduled for 8 o'clock first pitch Wednesday night. State will play the winner of tomorrow's South Carolina LSU game. It'll probably be LSU. But the late game on a Wednesday night like that at the SEC tournament never starts when it's supposed to. It'll be eight thirty. Why is that? Uh, oh, because of the oh yeah. Yeah, the previous yeah. games get all backed up. Usually, it just takes longer, and sometimes weather. They never go things. faster than expected. Yeah, they never do that. Isn't that amazing? Never do that. But every you know, this won't. At least according to the forecast, this will be a year where you don't have to worry about that. But some years also weather can delay it. I've seen that happen. It's going to be hot this week. I don't know what the uh, temperatures are like. I mean, I'm sure. Pretty much the same, but I notice starting Tuesday in Hoover, if you're going to watch Ole Miss or going to the tournament to watch State, starting Tuesday the high is going to reach like 90, 91, and then it slowly creeps up throughout this week on into Friday and into the weekend. By the weekend, I'm talking about highs that are projected in like 93, 94. And I was looking on Monday of next week, you're going to have upper 90s high temperatures throughout parts of the southeastern United States. So break out the sunscreen and the big hats and all that stuff because it's about to be, sure enough, real deal summertime. Hey, let me tell you, if you want to be a part of the show, there's a way for you to do it. A couple different ways, in fact. Uh, Give me a call on the Divini Equipment phone line. Divini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer. They are the number one Kubota dealer. The oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S. Right here at home, Davini, Madison and Jackson. Davini phone number is 995-1059. Let me clarify. That's the Davini phone, so if you call it, we're going to talk. We'll put you on the air if you want to. 995-1059. It's a 601 area code, so... Give me a shout. Of course, the text line is open. You can, uh, you know, text me if you have it. If you don't, I'll give you the, uh, 
I'll give you the number. Coming up later. So uh, let's look at it. State takes two out of three. State takes two out of three from South Carolina. Ole Miss drops two out of three games at Tennessee this weekend. And over in Conference USA, even worse, Southern Miss dropped two out of three games hosting UAB. Meanwhile, Florida Atlantic, the team that Southern Miss was tied with going into the weekend, Florida Atlantic swept Middle Tennessee. So Florida Atlantic wins Conference USA in the regular season. They finished 22-8 and in the conference. Southern Miss second in CUSA, 20-10. and Those are the only two 20-win conference teams. Conference USA, Southern Miss 20 wins. Florida Atlantic 22 with a sweep of Middle Tennessee on the final weekend. Florida Atlantic wins the uh, SEC regular season. Now, the 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 bad the good news is Southern Miss, you got the conference tournament. Maybe you can make up some ground um, right there. The bad news is, uh, according to like all the active RPI stuff, that 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 really has moved Southern Miss onto the bubble in terms of even getting in the in the NCAA tournament. Now they're still in as of right now, but they're kind of bubbleish because of it. Two losses at home to UAV. It's moved Southern Miss. Like if you look at Warren Nolan in the RPI, it moves them back to fifty-six. So you see what I mean? I mean, it's kind of on the back end of the RPI rankings, which can determine a lot of things. The reason that you go, well, 64 teams get in. Well, yeah, but don't just go by the RPI because you have conference tournaments out there where teams like the SWAC and some of these other leagues, whoever wins their conference tournament is getting in. They are in the NCAA tournament by way of winning the conference tournament. So a lot of times that can be teams that are not in the top 50 or 60 RPI. So they take some spots. So, like, if you're Southern Miss right now, you're trying to get an at-large and you're at 56, it's very bubblish. They are 34-19 and 19 overall. Yeah. Southern Miss non-conference strength of schedule was 70. You know, not great. Southern Miss went 3-5. and five. Versus Q1 teams, that's like top teams like Mississippi State. They were 6-4 and four versus Q2, but they had seven losses in Q3. That would be in their conference. Um, so anyway, Southern Miss needs to play a bunch of games and, and win them some neutral site stuff to, to maybe help themselves a little bit and move them inside that bubble a little more in, in terms of the NCAA tournament. State's fine. They're at either three or four. In the RPI, depending on what you look at, Warren Nolan has them at number four, but State's in good shape. They're going to be a national seed and hosting a regional, not this week, but next. And if they can win that, they'll host a super regional. And what about Ole Miss? You look at Warren Nolan after the two losses at Tennessee, Ole Miss is sitting there at 31 in the RPI. So they're in the tournament, there's no doubt. As of right now, Ole Miss, a, a two seed most likely somewhere but not in hosting range and really uh, you know again you're looking at at 31 in the RPI for Ole Miss 
they would need to climb, what, 16, 17 spots to get inside the top 15, 14, 15 in the RPI in order to be able to have a hosting chance. Hard to see that happening with one conference tournament. But, you know, we'll see. And it would, a lot of it for them would depend on who they get matched up against and what those RPIs are. So, with that said, listen up, baseball fans. This is what you are looking at for tomorrow. Round one, first round, single elimination round of the SEC tournament in Hoover. I'll be there. And if you tune into this show, you're going to hear me. Live from Hoover Metropolitan Stadium. High up on the third level above the first base bag. Might catch a foul ball. The good news is Vanderbilt does not play until Wednesday. So on tomorrow's show, you will not hear the incessant, annoying, obnoxious whistling from the two Vandy fans known as the Vandy Whistlers that frankly drive everybody crazy, including their own fellow fans and team, but they won't stop doing it. And you can't stop them. I know them. how to fix it. Well, you can't stop them because all they're doing is whistling. Like, what are you going to do about it? Pop them in that mouth one time. That They're whistling that way. If their lips are swollen up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you go to jail and you look like a real jerk because they're, you know, they're older than you. I bet the police would turn and walk the other way. They might. You yeah. think you can get away with it? We better be careful. I better not uh, encourage that. <laughs> but if it happens, <laughs> Roger, I'm just telling I'm you. I love it. One of them is a real jerk of a human being, too. And I'm just telling you, at some point, somebody's going to clock them. It's just, it's one of those you can see it coming a mile away. You know what I mean? So it's the way it is. Just put right. them in the mouth, folks. That's all. <laughs> hey, look, football coaches That's say all it all saying. the time. <laughs> That's right. That's what I meant. Terrible advice. <laughs> Uh, it should come with like a disclaimer, right? The thoughts, oh, shoot this thing. the thoughts and opinions expressed on the Matt Wyatt show are not necessarily the thoughts and opinions of our radio station, <laughs> the staff, or advertisers. Hey. But it should be. It's such you know, it's such an opposite of the Mister Rogers. Roger telling us to punch people. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would, Would you, you be mine? mine? Sing along, everyone. Would you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood. Tomorrow, a day for a beauty round one of the mine? SEC tournament. Could you be mine? 9.30 first pitch in the middle of the show. It'll be Florida versus Texas A&M. I've always wanted to Followed by, at about 1 o'clock, Missouri versus Ole Miss. Missouri, the 10 seed. Ole Miss, the 7 seed. It's the second game. Would you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? You know, this surprises me. He didn't have any other hits. Please, won't you be? There he is. Here's a medley of my greatest hits. Sarcastic Roger. Cynical Roger is back. Making fun of Mr. Rogers. <laughs> You're at Cynical Rogers' neighborhood. <laughs> we got to do a show, man. For a beauty, would you be 
Uh, Miss Cynical Rogers neighborhood. <laughs> the third game tomorrow is going to be the nine seed Tennessee versus the eight seed Auburn. Scheduled for four thirty first pitch. Uh, that'll have a pretty good crowd of Auburn fans. But you won't know because Tennessee wears orange also. And then the night game tomorrow night, 8 p.m. First pitch scheduled anyway will be the 12 seed South Carolina versus the 5 seed LSU. LSU fans show up big for the SEC tournament. They got the most of them. And it'll be loud and proud, and LSU's probably going to win. And then just one more level. So you look at those four games tomorrow. The winner of the first game, Florida versus Texas A&M, will move on and face Georgia Wednesday morning. The second game is Missouri versus Ole Miss tomorrow. The winner of that one will move on to face Arkansas in the second game Wednesday. The afternoon game, Tennessee versus Auburn. Winner moves on to face Vanderbilt. Cover your ears on Wednesday afternoon. And then the final game tomorrow night, the late game, South Carolina versus LSU. The winner moves on to face Mississippi State. So, yes, you could have a Mississippi State versus LSU matchup at about 8 p.m. or so on Wednesday night. And that place will be packed. You can count on it if that happens. All right. The Divinity Equipment phone, 995-1059. Terry is listening in Florida. What's up, Terry? How you doing this morning, Matt? Just right. What about Look, you? I, I, I know my Rebels are having a hard time right now, but just when you think it probably couldn't get any better, I don't know if you want to if you heard what happened to the Ole Miss men's golf team over the weekend. No, no, I didn't hear but it. They, they, missed, they missed making the NCAA championship in golf by one stroke, and guess guess what happened to cause that? What happened? One of their last players coming in hit a shot. The ball hits a bird flying in the air and goes out of bounds. They have to take a penalty stroke. They end up losing by one stroke making the NCAA. That's really getting a birdie. That's and, and, and just when you think it can't get any worse. Hello. Terry, you've got I, to I be heard, kidding I heard me. That on the way uh, uh, to the golf course Saturday morning, some guy on one of the national shows was talking about it. He said, man, this, how's that for, you know, an old Miss to lose making the NCAA championship golf by one stroke, and the guy hits a bird flying in the air. Good gracious. And the ball goes out of bounds, yeah. Terry, I've never heard of anything like that. I, I, look, I, I have actually hit a light wire uh, off the tee, but if you do that in golf, you get to retee it. Uh-huh. But that, okay. I don't think that. I don't. Evidently, that's not the case when you hit a flying bird. Hey, you, you remember? I, I never heard it happen before either. I either. Saturday morning, Matt. You know, so yeah. Randy in a spring training baseball game many years ago. Randy Johnson, the big lefty, was pitching, you'll remember, and as he let about a 100-mile-an-hour yeah, yeah. fastball go, a, a seagull flew in front of him, and the ball hit it and busted that seagull into particles. You know, like if you ever, uh, Oh, that, that was on TV. They showed that on TV a thousand times. A thousand I've seen times. That before, yeah. Well, you know, if yeah. you read um, – this is, this is a kind of a gruesome note, but if you read Civil War um, history and, and diaries and all – they used to use a term for when a soldier accidentally or, or you know, unfortunately wound up in front of a cannon when the cannon went off. 
Ooh. in battle or anything. And the, wow. the, the word that they used, the phrase they used was, he was blown to particles. And that, seag- wow. that seagull that flew in front of uh, Randy Johnson was knocked to particles. I wonder what happened to that bird that this golf ball hit. I, like, like I said, it was it was one of the national talk shows Saturday morning, and the guy just said, he said, I have never heard never that before, heard that. but he said it happened to the Ole Miss men's golf team. They were in a regional in Stanford, California, hey. and uh, he said the, the guy the guy hit, and his ball went out of bounds. He had to re-hit, take a penalty stroke, and they ended up not making the NCAA finals by one stroke. Unreal. Terry. I think the penalty was for yeah. shooting the bird, I think. Yeah. Don't be shooting birds. All hey, right, you guys have a great day. Thanks, Terry. Appreciate it. You know, Roger, that is incredible. You talk about bad luck. But I have to say, most times I don't believe in luck either way. It's almost like you, if that's you and you hit your golf ball and mid-flight it hits a bird and is knocked out of bounds, you almost have to accept it as, okay, this is God's way of saying, time to go home. It's time to go home. It's it. <laughs> no more golf. Gracious alive. I got to find some. It's a sign, you're saying. Yeah. Divine intervention. It's kind of, yeah. It's kind of what I'm saying. It's about the only thing that makes any sense. Gracious alive. Blown to particles. Okay, just getting started here on a Monday, Monday in the Farm Bureau. I thought you were going to say they called it a hole in one. <laughs> Come on. That is great. You're listening to the Mountain. Missed the NCAA golf tournament by one stroke because your golfer hit his golf ball and mid-flight, it caroms off a bird, also in mid-flight, and lands out of bounds. You lose a stroke and miss the NCAA tournament by one stroke. I mean, got to be kidding me. Mic'd up on that one. It really is a shame that college golf is hard to televise. I'd like to see some video of that. Now, Peter, listen. If you're listening, I'm not saying that I'm glorying in a bird getting hit with a golf ball. So don't start it. (laughs) I'm just saying I would like to see video of it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I might go back and watch the the baseball uh, oh, feather man. explosion. I didn't realize the seagull had that many feathers on it, but it didn't. oh man, you ought to go look it up, Roger. Randy Johnson let that ball go halfway to the plate. It hits that bird, and I got news for you: there ain't no bird left. There is no bird remaining after you know, the last thing to go through that bird's mind. What? It's behind. Jose's <laughs> beak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peter, listen. 
We are not trying to stir up trouble about birds. We're not glorifying what happened to them, just merely stating a fact. I saw it on you YouTube. You should get extra points for that, really. For what? Hit the bird. <laughs> it's hard, man. You ever try it? <laughs> Roger, there are some radio DJs in New Orleans. <clears throat> 1999, they hosted the uh, Bassmasters Classic. Uh, in the Louisiana Delta, they had the weigh-ins at the Louisiana Superdome. Davy Height from South Carolina won the sucker, won the event. Yep, he was up in a dead-end canal there, flipping a big soft plastic lure called a brush hog into submerged uh, limbs and stuff and catching these big bass. Anyway. And some PETA folks had a protest out on the street right there, downtown New Orleans, right across the street from uh, one of the main, you know, entrances or whatever to the Superdome, right across the street, street corner, protest. They had a guy in a fish suit and sign that said, Hooks Hurt. <laughs> and right on the other side of the street, some local radio radio DJs got together and had a fish fry. <laughs> and broadcast live. That's my people. <laughs> and broadcast the fish fry live right across the street from the PETA protest. Sure did. At least something some of them snuck over there and got them a few fillets. There are two different versions of PETA. One is people for the ethical treatment of animals, and the other it stands for people eating tasty animals. <laughs> All right, Gator Nation on the text line says, Matt, when do my Gators play? Tomorrow. First game tomorrow and Hoover, 9.30 a.m. first pitch central time against Texas A&M. A&M took two out of three from Arkansas this past weekend. Bulldog Blitz texts the show and says, one of the whistlers, one of the Vandy whistlers sits in a wheelchair yeah, I, that's right. They're older guys. We just got to put up with them. That's all it is. But I'm just telling you, you know, you're going to hear it. Just get ready. You're going to hear it on television. If you go, you're going to get an earful of it. You can't get away from it. They are incessant. It is obnoxious. It is the most Vanderbilt thing ever. Uh, somebody texted and said, it makes me wonder, was Randy Johnson's bird missile considered a ball or a redo that is a great question i don't know the answer it was again a spring training game i believe i'm certain it was randy johnson many years ago throws a pitch it collides with a bird halfway to the plate disintegrates the poor bird i don't know what happened to the ball it didn't reach the plate so i don't know if it was a ball or if it was a no pitch but a no pitch and Tim, thank you for your text. We actually talked about this uh, last week. Now, it might have been Friday. It might have been Thursday. But somewhere in the end of last week it came up. Roger made sure we um, got it on the air. Congrats to Coach Hal Mummy on his new gig. And Tim says, really enjoyed him on the radio while he was there. And JB had some great interviews and stories. I bet they did. Those two together? Telling stories. 
he had Brett Favre. He told him, "Hey, call in the show sometime." Uh-huh. John, typical, uh-huh. <laughs> typical, typical Bond. <laughs> and one day the phone rings. It's like you know a million other times I pick it up. And, you know, the zone. Hello. I said, "Yeah, uh, who's this?" <laughs> Brett. Like you dummy, you all know uh-huh. who this is. Like I don't. Oh, 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 Brett who? <laughs> <laughs> he and didn't then it dawned on me. Oh, that Brett. Hold on, Mr. Farb. We'll get right to you. No, he didn't, he didn't know what day. He just called it on a random day. No, but, uh, you know, I hate, you know, Coach Mummy had, you know, he kind of really a step down from, you know, when he hosted the show here, you yeah. know, going into the XFL. The as XFL. OC, but, you know, yeah, right. he's got to make ends meet. Ha- having yeah. being forced to work for Bob Stoops. Yeah, you know, his head coach there. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. I would imagine those meetings are going to uh, take some time to get through because <laughs> once those two get going, <laughs> I bet. Yeah, hats off, to Coach Mummy. Yeah, he was really something else, you know. And there is a there is a book. Oh, and I've got to. Um, is the name of the perfect pass? It's something about throwing the football. I've got to look. I'll find the details for you. I'll find it. It's a really nice guy who I got to meet and interview uh, out in Texas who wrote a book chronicling kind of the history of the passing game and how we arrived at where we are right now in football. And so a lot of it, most of it, he traces back to Hal Mummy and Mike Leach they were together at a little school out west, Iowa Wesleyan, and they were – I didn't read the book, but in the interview I got some of the details. The author said that there were a lot of details in there about hours they spent in the car together riding to places all over the country to meet with different coaches and people and making notes along the way who had been successful in past game stuff and picking up little tips here and little trinkets there that they would take back and figure out a way – to morph it into something nobody had really seen. And so this air raid stuff, when you go back and you look at those late 90s football teams at Kentucky when Hal Mummy was the head coach, they had Tim Couch. Kentucky had signed Tim Couch to a you know scholarship to be a quarterback on the team there when Bill Curry was the head coach in the mid-90s, 95, 96, somewhere in there. Tim Couch was this unbelievable thrower in high school football, but he goes to Kentucky, a place where they don't throw the ball. They only ran the ball. They were basically like an option offense under Bill Curry at Kentucky. And he's sitting there. So, yeah, the train's coming through here. So a big part of the change at Kentucky over to Hal Mummy was because they had Tim Couch on the roster. So you can look at those teams. Obviously, the Texas Tech teams that Mike Leach had, was just this fun and gun, just total air raid offense where he's calling plays from the sideline off of a napkin, stuff he's written down that morning or the night before. But this book traced it back. So not not just, uh, you know, hypothetically. No, quite literally, all of this evolution of the passing game throughout college football, and now it obviously affects the NFL, it all traces back to Hal Mummy uh, when he was at Iowa Wesleyan with Mike Leach. I'll find the name of that book and see if I can tell you what it is coming up. Stick around. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio.
You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. The Perfect Pass, American Genius and the Reinvention of Football by author S.C. Gwynn. Really nice guy, brilliant guy. Has written tons of like historical books. He's, you know, written books about Native Americans and Civil War stuff, but decided to write a book about football. And I, he's out in Austin, Texas. I got to interview him. Really nice, engaging guy. Just kind of one of those that's fascinating to listen to. Wrote this book. Here's what the description on Amazon says. Hal Mummy is one of a handful of authentic offensive geniuses in the history of American football. The perfect pass is the story of how he irreverently destroyed and recreated the game. Now, you know the man. I don't, Roger. But does that sound about right? He would tell you that it wasn't him, that it was a collaborative. He, he, he always really went out of his way to, to give the other uh, other guys credit. Okay. Uh, it says, so. Mummy spent 14 mostly losing seasons coaching football before inventing a potent passing offense that would soon shock players, delight fans, and terrify opposing coaches. The revolution he, for, uh, he, he began – at a tiny overlooked college called Iowa Wesleyan, where Mummy was the head coach, and Mike Leach, a lawyer who had never played college football, was hired as his offensive line coach. Um, it says, uh, again, one quick thing that I'm coming to the phone line because people have hung on for a while. In The Perfect Pass by S.C. Gwynn, he explores Mummy's leading role in changing football from a run-dominated sport to a pass-dominated one. Which, there ain't no arguing that it is, for the most part. Divinity Equipment phone line, 995-1059. 995-1059. Doug, Doug Sykes. Coach Sykes. Good morning. What's up? How are you? That is a great book, and uh, it, uh, it's just like you described it. I had read two other books by him. He wrote the history of Stonewall Jackson, which is amazing, called Rebel Gill. Mm-hmm. And he's not a sports guy, but that book is incredible. And the second half of that book is more about Mike Leach than it is about Mummy. But yeah. a few, many years ago, when when uh, Mummy was a head coach at Kentucky, I was coaching a wooden bat collegiate team up there in Lexington, and I stayed on the campus. I didn't have anything to do during the day, so I walk over to the Nutter Center where the football offices were because they were always doing stuff, and Leach had crouch out on the field, and they were filming a video. And they'd take these uh, 50-gallon uh, garbage cans and put them on the four corners of the end zone. They were videoing all this. And then they'd start at the five-yard line, and he'd put the ball inside. If it stayed inside the garbage can, that's what they wanted. Mm. And he'd do four of them, then they'd go to the 10. And, and by the time they were through filming, he was at the 30-yard line throwing them in the garbage can. Incredible, really. But uh, – my brother, who was a Southeastern Conference football official, said that uh, Mummy was a head coach uh, or a uh, offensive coordinator masquerading as a head coach. Because that's see. all he cared about. He didn't care about defense <laughs> or winning, or he just wanted to score a bunch of points, and that's what he did. Right. That's what he did. No doubt about it. 
Doug, thanks it's for the great call. Book. Great so, book. yeah, yep. I'm I'm glad you read it. Um, did you did you buy a hard copy of it and read it, or did yes. you get? Okay, so you did. I bought the hard copy, and then I made a mistake, and I gave it to a high school football coach, and I hadn't seen it. Since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may have to go get it. I, mean, I don't I don't see how you could actually be a, a coach in high school or college if not have read that book because of of some of the things in there. Now, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, if, if you were a college coach, you'd already know some of that stuff. But I was fascinated by how they set up their matches and the way they – and the drag patterns. I mean, they, you know, mm-hmm. stuff they invented you see every day. You go, well, they, they, nobody ever did that before, you know, they showed up. Uh-huh. They were the first to do and, it. And, uh, you know, I'm a fan of Leach because Leach is a genius. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's like the mad scientist, too, because we, yeah. he's so yeah. funny. Amen. I, I'm telling you, I, Doug – I get such a enjoyed kick. Enjoyed the show and enjoyed the walk around on uh, Duty Noble. That was cool. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate you watching that. Appreciate the call, Doug. Thank okay. you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. What he's talking about, if you're interested, um, I did a one-shot walkthrough where I had a camera on a gimbal, which stabilizes it so it won't make you sick. Um, I turned the camera on and never turned it off. I didn't cut it. I didn't edit it. It's just a one-shot starting uh, at the main entrance behind home plate of Duty Noble Field. And walk the full 360 degrees through the crowd back to where I started uh, during one of the games against South Carolina in baseball. So if you want to see that, look at my Twitter feed. It's on there from a couple of days ago. At Radio Wyatt on YouTube. It's just YouTube.com slash Matt Wyatt Media. Mountain Dog on the phone. What's up, Mountain Dog? Man, I'm heading to Tupelo. I'm in that region where you've left Rankin County and you haven't made it to Louisville yet. Uh-huh. And there's like nothing. Ain't nothing out there. You better not blow <laughs> I'm, a tire. I'm glad that I'm, I'm glad that Roger put me on hold. <laughs> I get to listen. That a boy. What's up? Hey, I just wanted to say, and you may have already covered this because I just got the car, but I'm real excited about Tommy Stevens, the uh, transfer quarterback that we're getting. I feel like Coach, uh, you know, he's got his his guy. He's got a plan, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I love. Keaton, I think he did good in the offense that he was originally signed for. Yeah, I don't think that he can fit this offense, and I'm hoping Tommy Stevens can, and then uh, give Schrader a year to get himself together and come in. But I wanted your thoughts on, on what you thought of the process, also the quarterback himself. Yeah, and maybe I'll run into you in two blood, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see you. I'll be kind of in and out the next few days, back and forth from Hoover for the SEC baseball tournament and all kinds of stuff, but certainly would be around. Um, yeah, so I, I at 11 o'clock at the top of the hour, I'm going to get into it and kind of do a little bit of, a, of an analysis on Tommy Stevens for you. Stevens is the quarterback that signed with, Penn State back in 2015. He was a a freshman in the 2016 season. 2017, last year as a junior at Penn State, he was banged up, missed a bunch of games, and now he's transferring to Mississippi State to try to come here and be the quarterback. And um, I, as promised, over the weekend, I had a chance to do some studying, do some talking, watching some film, and so I have a a much better grasp now of the whole context, the whole story, what he did 
on the field for Penn State, and it's really kind of fascinating. It is not a typical story for a QB, I promise you. And so I'm going to get into some of that. But but specifically to what you brought up, Mountain Dog, you said, you know, Keaton Thompson, we look at him out of New Orleans, just, I mean, unheard of. High school passing and rushing numbers and touchdowns in that offense at Landry Walker for Keaton Thompson. They, they, let's see what he won a state championship in football, won two in basketball during his high school career. How many people can say that? Um, and is a big time player. But what everybody says is something that you said too, Mountain Dog, is that it's this question of does Keaton Thompson fit? Joe Moorhead's offense. Even more so, a lot of people will say, I don't think Keaton Thompson is a fit for Joe Moorhead's offense. Well, see, I, I wonder where that comes from. Because, here, here's why I say that. Like, if you look at the signs and just kind of look at what's in front of you, what was Joe Moorhead's offense at Penn State? Well, it was built around a mobile quarterback. It was built around always a threat of the quarterback running the ball. What has Joe Moorhead always said about evaluating quarterbacks and looking for one and how you evaluate them and what the things they must possess? He's always said he's got to be able to beat you with his brain, with his arm, and with his feet. So you look at the history you look at what he says, you even look at a lot of the things they did last year in the offense with Fitzgerald, it's all been about a quarterback who can really run. That's part of the prerequisite. Trace McSorley could do it at Penn State. They went out and recruited and signed Tommy Stevens at Penn State. What, what can he do? He can run the ball really well. He's a great runner. So the idea that that Keaton Thompson somehow is not a fit for his offense, I'm not really sure where that comes from. I, I don't see that as the, the case at all. I actually see it as he is a fit. If, you, if you're just looking at you know qualities that he possesses, if you were to say, okay, there's one thing that, that doesn't fit, well, what would it be? It Would it be... You know, not completing a high percentage of passes? You know, I don't know. But the fact that uh, Keaton Thompson is not just a thrower, that he's a runner also, that actually makes him a fit for what Joe Moorhead really wants the offense to be. Then it's just beyond that, then it becomes a matter of, can you do it? (laughs) Can you fit the ball into a tight window? It does kind of trickle over into the passing ability. And that's what we'll get into next. I'll tell you what I saw on some some video when I went and watched Tommy Stevens, who's transferring in there to Mississippi State. I'll get into that next with you. Right here on the show, connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. 